Life happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Nine minutes after one. Good afternoon. Welcome to the... Is it Tuesday? Yes, it's the Tuesday edition of Life Happens. Okay, let's kick it off. My guest this afternoon is Professor Lucille Bloomberg, who is from the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. And as I said, start dialing in now. 011-714-2006. Professor Bloomberg, thank you so much for joining us. Good, uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you very much and good afternoon, everyone. Professor Bloomberg, um, we have been speaking about this new variant of the COVID-19 virus. Um, and, and as you can appreciate, we all not very clear about um, what, what, what it brings to the fore. What I heard yesterday from the president concerned me somewhat. Uh, it concerned me because um, what we had heard the previous week was slightly different to what we heard. And what I heard him say was that it's likely to be um, more, I think the word he used was that, um, gosh, now the word slips me. But it, but but what he was intending to say was that it is likely that this, this particular variant of the virus um, is, he didn't use the word deadly, but uh, now the word. I think what we're looking at um, is, what are the characteristics of the virus that we need to be concerned about and how they're contributing to our very serious second wave? What do we know and what don't we know? And how do we need to approach this? So, so what do we know? <clears throat> so we know that um, from uh, the time that the virus was introduced in South Africa to March, in March uh-huh. until September, there were very few changes uh, in the virus itself. So it was relatively stable. And there is a group, it's called the Genomic Surveillance in South Africa group from very, a number of different institutions that have been monitoring this virus and looking at its uh, molecular structure. Uh, they do something called whole genome sequencing and a number of other investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, between March and September, it was, very, uh, was relatively uh, stable and mutations, which are not uncommon with viruses, occurred at a relatively sl- slow rate. Okay. And they did um, 2,000 viruses. They sequenced them across eight of the nine provinces. In September, though, the, um, and this kind of just uh, coincided with the, uh, perhaps the start of the increase uh, in cases. They noticed, the, the, Sorry, uh, the, the what increase? Uh, the increase in the number of cases mm-hmm. uh, in, started in, uh, in oh, I see. Cape okay. and... Um, this new lineage, mm-hmm. which and a lineage is really just a group of mutated viruses or a group of mutations in a virus, um, started to appear. Do you think that this, so what do we attribute that to? Because as you said, the mutation is, is not new. It's not something that's uncommon. So these mutations this, are new. Yeah. Viruses do mutate. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes they're stable and sometimes they mutate a bit, uh, bit more. And clearly, you know, the more virus that there is around, uh, the greater chance you have of, of having mutation. Okay. So it occurred. Difficult to know if there was anything that precipitated it. Viruses mm. do mutate. Okay. And so the virus has a number of mutations. Um, there are 20 mutations in this new lineage. Mm-hmm. And it's called, the lineage is called, it's called SARS coronavirus number two, but the lineage has the name 501y.v2 to distinguish it from other variants in different parts of the world. We know the UK has also got a uh, mutated virus, uh, 
also a new lineage, and that's uh, V1, but it's different. And um, so the properties of the virus can change. And one of the things that has been noted is that the mutations are in the spike protein. The spike protein is that part of the virus that attaches to a cell and essentially allows it to enter the cell. It's also perhaps the target for antibodies if you become infected and you have an immune response. Um, And, you know, there are lots of things we don't know yet. I think what we probably are seeing is um, increased transmissibility. In patients who are infected with this new virus, there seem to be a higher concentration of virus. So we think it has increased transmissibility. Um, We don't know if it causes more severe illness. We don't know um, how it will affect the immune response. If you were infected before and you had an immune response, what are the chances of being reinfected with this new strain? It may well be. And um, we're still learning about uh, other, other components. It is likely that, and it seems to be well detected by the available tests, so that shouldn't change. And I think looking at the vaccines, it's likely that they do still work. And that's, you know, those are areas that um, there's a lot of work going on. Does it cause more severe illness? That, I think, is uncertain. You know, if you have lots of virus circulating and lots of people infected, you will have a lot more people who are at risk for severe infections being infected. So it's a numbers game. Let me let me let's let's stick to that point. If you're saying that we we have this particular this particular variant is has got an in, increased transferability, so it spreads very vi- quickly. It spreads it spreads very quickly and very easily. Yeah, I, I, I want to get to that point because I, I want us to be clear on what is it that we meaning. Do we mean that this protein is transfers easier the virus into the cell or do we mean that it is quicker um i don't know that you can separate those easily we just know that you know instead of one person for example infecting three people Mm -hmm. in a closed space perhaps they could infect a lot more so the increase in the numbers of cases in the country seems to be at, this, at a, a very similar time to the appearance of this, um, this new variant. But what we also know is that the, there have been a lot of super spreading events. As the festival season has approached, many people have let down their guards. They are not applying the usual protective mechanism, means that, uh, to prevent transmission or reduce transmission. And there have been lots and lots of gatherings, the perfect setting for increased transmission. We've had parties and rages and people gathering all over the place without masks, without distancing, and some are infected with this new variant. So there is the perfect recipe, If If this variant has uh, infects with a higher viral load, how, yeah. how come we don't know if it causes more disease? Isn't that what, does that not one equal the other? So that's something that needs to be investigated. Mm. Um, and it requires a lot more work than you know, just saying, well, there's more virus, 
there's more severe illness. Mm-hmm. We know that a lot of people who contract COVID have very mild illness, but serve to pass it on. And that's, uh, I mm. guess, one of mm. the, uh, the issues, you, you know. I see what you mean. There's this uh, impression that it's, mm. a, it's a mild illness mm. and what's all the fuss about. Mm. The reality is that um, a lot of people who have comorbidities are being infected. Mm. They're not all older. Mm. A lot of diabetes, hypertension, a lot of people who are obese. Okay. who are infected and will have severe disease. Yeah, so we're I know, looking at numbers games now. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if your, if my viral load is low um, and, and you know, I am asymptomatic, I still transfer the disease to other people who but get quite sick. less successfully. Less oh, is it? successfully, yeah. So these viral loads are high. So there is, you know, the virus is successfully transmitted pretty easily. Okay, let's take those questions. Mike, you're calling from Durban. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you and uh, all the complaints of the season to everyone. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, I've got one. I'm going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons here. I, I've been talking to a, a lot of the Congolese here from the DRC. And, you know, they've been vaccinated against Ebola. Now, I've asked them, if any of these people that have been vaccinated, have they contracted the virus? And they said they don't think so. And, uh, okay. So that's an interesting question. Yes. So is. Ebola vaccine uh, was, um, was, you know, introduced into the DRC and mm-hmm. also to some extent into West Africa during the Ebola outbreak. It's not been um, given to people who are not within those outbreak areas or their, uh, their, the contact or the healthcare workers. So it's unlikely that many uh, people who uh, are living in South Africa from the DRC would have been vaccinated. The second point is that a number of people who've contracted COVID-19 and the virus actually don't know they've been infected. Some are asymptomatic and would not have been tested. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that's correct, and I don't think we should make any conclusions there. I think the um, Ebola virus was the first in a series of uh, vaccines for these emerging diseases and really paved the way for many of the vaccine programs mm. that have uh, uh, been used for, for COVID, but these are development programs mm-hmm. uh, rather than some cross-protection from Ebola or the vaccine. Okay, Zanella, you're calling from Durban. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamelo and Professor. Good afternoon. Uh, Pamelo, it's not the first time I'm raising this concern. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a question. It's a, it's a, in fact, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm, I don't know, or I'm concerned or I'm confused. Because when it comes to regulations, I do understand that the, all the uh, regulations has been laid down, but it looks like even the Command Council itself is playing hide and seek. The reason I'm saying that, the reason I'm saying that, it's because we have been told that the virus is being spread, or some of the regulations is to wear the mask, uh, sanitize, wash uh, hand washing and social distancing 
In some of the programs here in SAFM, I've been coming out uh, asking the question, which part of the, re- of, of, of the social distance that is not effective, that is not, is not transmitted, is transmitting the disease? Simply because when it comes to public, uh, the banks and the shops and wherever, you see where the, the guidelines of the social dis- distance. But when it comes to transportation, the public transportation, even today, I've been listening to the Command Council uh, chairperson has been saying, uh, okay, the taxi has, bu- has been on, on the uh, 100% load capacity, but as long as they're wearing masks. But l- here we're talking about the people, some of them who could be the carrier of the virus. Does that mean the person with a virus, if that person is in the bank, that person is not going to spread that virus to the next person simply because that person has social distancing himself or herself to the next person. So that person is allowed to get into the taxi or to the bus and sit close to other person. I, I, I'm, I'm just disgusted. Yeah, Let me let me cut you there quickly because I don't want to waste Professor Bloomberg's time. Um, When I started the show, I was very clear. I said there are different things we're going to tackle at different times. And I said, with regards to government regulations, we will bring in the people who are going to help us with exactly what you're asking. I don't want to waste Professor Bloomberg's time. I want to respond to that just in a few words. I think you raise really important um, uh, important points. So the virus is spread um, mainly because from people who are either ill or infected who are asymptomatic and don't know they have the virus. When they speak or they cough, um, the virus will come out of the nose or the mouth and will infect people who are within a distance of 1.5 metres. If everybody wears a mask, that will reduce the number of droplets with virus from those who are infected and it will provide some protection to those who are in that space. So masking and masking properly is very, very critical. Everybody you know now has to wear a mask over their nose, over their mouth, not below the nose and below the chin. That's been a big problem. Yeah, but Professor Bloomberg, she's asking about distinguishing yeah, between taxi. a taxi okay. and I so don't think you and I can respond to that. reduce transmission. The other thing is distancing, which in a taxi is difficult. That's what she's saying. ventilation is very important. The windows must all be open. Certainly the 100% loads in taxis is an issue, especially with closed windows and people not wearing their masks properly. Yes, but okay. that's... Thank you, Pamela. Yep. Uh, I'll wait for that platform where you'll be uh, you'll be calling those re- uh, those people who will ask who will answer to those relevant questions. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, uh, Pamela and the professor. All right, let's take the voice notes coming through, Prof. Sorry, Pamela. Hi, thank you for bringing up this topic. I always wanted to ask why is it people are dying at the hospitals or clinics mostly? Why is it people are dying there? Because COVID-19, we know it doesn't have cure. But we have friends and uh, families, most, uh, most of them who tested COVID-19, but they didn't die. 
But if you go to a hospital and quarantine there, you die there. What's going on? I always wanted to know what is going on there. Because we know COVID-19 doesn't have cure. They test you and you test positive and then they keep you at the hospital and then you die there. What is it that is killing people at the hospitals? Mm. Important question, Professor Bloomberg. So the vast majority of people will not have complications from COVID. Mm. They will be infected, they may have symptoms, they may not, and they will get better. Mm -hmm. The relatively small group, but if you translate it into the number of infections, quite a large number who will get COVID pneumonia, who will get complications of COVID, um, the pneumonia, the, uh, the clotting, and various other heart, and, uh, you know, it can affect any organ. So those are the patients, people who are at risk for severe COVID, and those are the ones who are often admitted. Um, if you, there are um, different treatments that can be used. You're right, they don't cure, so they're not specific against the virus, but administering oxygen and doing that in time, if somebody develops a, a pneumonia, is very, very effective, but not in everyone. We also use um, steroids, cortisone, um, which works very well together with the oxygen and will be effective in, in, in a lot of people. But unfortunately, there are some who either come too late um, and who don't respond to this, and they have uh, uh, more severe complications and they don't make it. So the message is uh, they also may get complications of their underlying problems like diabetes. So the message is if you have risk factors for severe COVID, you're older than 60 and now I think uh, perhaps the age has come down a little bit, you are obese, you're diabetic, you're hypertensive, your immunity is suppressed for whatever reason, you've had cancer, you need to be sure that you are protected from COVID infections. And those around you need to respect that. It's young people who are bringing COVID home to those who are older, those who are ill, parents, relatives. That is where the problem is. Uh, if you do develop COVID and you have a com an underlying problem, as soon as you have a, short, a shortness of breath, mm -hmm. you must present at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, the hospitals are overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. uh, healthcare workers are, are overwhelmed. And as soon as you have that, you know, care is, 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 is compromised in many ways. So let's reduce the transmission. Let's follow all the rules that the previous speaker spoke about. Let's all take responsibility for reducing transmission, for reducing the chances of severe illness in those who, who need extra care but may not always get it in time. All Everyone right. has to be responsible. President pleaded, we need to plead. Um, Bernd, you're calling from uh, KZN. Good afternoon. Hi, good day. Um, I've just got a question with how the new regulations will work for people that are on holiday in resorts in terms of you know, activities that happen there outside, um, swimming pools, kids clubs, things like that. Well, I, th I think you have to look at the, the regulations in detail. A number of... Uh, Recreational facilities are being closed. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't still have uh, an enjoyable holiday. Uh, there are other things that you can do, but you have to follow all the precautions to reduce transmission. So, you know, uh, swimming pools are closed. Beaches uh, I, I'm, have also been closed now. 
but there are many other things. It's not about parties. We have to stop those, those big gatherings. That's where the problem is. But in your family, you can still, or your group, you can still have a, um, a good holiday, and we definitely need that. But follow those precautions. It cannot be blown to the wind because you're on holiday. Let's take some more questions from the WhatsApp note. Pimelo, I just want to know what is the importance of doing antibodies test for COVID, uh, Saul? Thank you. All right. So that's a a very good question. Mm -hmm. Um, Antibodies are not measurement, are not routinely done. They're done within populations uh, to look for and to give an idea of how much virus has been circulating in that population. Um, it doesn't give you, it shouldn't be done on individuals um, to indicate that they're so-called immune or had infection before. Um, we're still learning about the immune response. So if your antibody test is negative, but you know you had COVID, it doesn't mean that you don't have some other kind of uh, immune response that's not measured by the antibody test. If the antibody test is positive, it's not a passport to say, well, I can throw off my mask and, you know, I need to, I'm, I'm fine, I'm safe. We also know that we are seeing reinfection. How this is related to the new variant, we still need to investigate. Uh, is there cross-protection? We don't really know. So I think antibody tests have very little value and no value in, Mm. they have some value in communities, Mm. but not in individuals. Sure. Let's take another voice note, Uh, Prof. Yeah. Good day, Pamelo. It's Dumi here in Kempton Park. I want to know, um, if you are wearing a mask and droplets happen to actually, from another person, happen to actually come into your mask, will you get infected then? Because uh, there's a situation where you're sitting in a taxi, you are wearing a mask, but, you know, other people are not wearing a mask and they are busy talking. So in that case, um, if the droplets fall into the person that's wearing a mask, will they get infected? That's my question. Thank you. Good afternoon. Please help us understand this. When... The narrative is that there's no cure for COVID-19 and yet people can test positive and then they can do certain rituals, if one can even call it that, and then they heal. What does it mean when you say there's no cure in comparison to, for example, HIV? We understand there's no cure. Once you've tested positive for HIV, you're put on medication throughout your life. And yet with COVID, people will take whatever concoctions they take and then would be told that they healed, they're COVID-free. How does it work in terms of t- terminologies? I don't think I understand. Hmm, Prof? Okay, so both very good questions. So let me, um, let me answer Dumi's question from Kempton Park. The mask, and if it's a cloth mask, stops droplets going out mm. very efficiently. It has less efficiency in stopping droplets being coming into that person. So if everybody wears a mask, and now it is regulation, it is law, everybody wears a mask, I protect you and you protect me. So Dumi is absolutely right. You, the, the person who's wearing the mask actually protects somebody else, which is important. 
but the protection for themselves is less. But if everybody's wearing the mask, and let me repeat that, then you know you have a, a very good protection for everybody. You need to wear the mask properly. Don't touch the outside. If you touch the outside, yes, there may be some virus with droplets. Then you touch your own nose. That's no good. But it is it is it is regulation now. Anybody in in, ta- in, in a in a, in a public space, and that includes taxis, must wear a mask, and they must wear it over their nose and their mouth. And the other question... Up- so when we talk about cure, we, we kind of mean, is there a specific drug that attacks the virus or the bacteria or the parasite and gets rid of it forever? So you know, despite many attempts, there is no specific drug that is... Um, SARS-CoV-2, the virus, um, effective. So we use other means of treatment. We give oxygen to, to improve the function of the lungs. We give cortisone to reduce the inflammation when there's severe COVID pneumonia. But we don't have a highly effective drug to attack the virus. The virus will go. We have immune responses that will act against the virus. So mm-hmm. it will eventually go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would, you know, people are working very hard to have a specific anti-SARS-CoV virus drug. Like we have anti-TB drugs, anti-malaria drugs. Um, uh, Prof, I think another another tricky bit of the question she was yeah. saying, how come the HIV virus doesn't go away and this one goes away? Oh, I think it's, uh, it speaks <laughs> to mutations yes. in, in different viruses. It speaks to hidden sites where they... Um, hide hide away from the immune response. You know, we're learning lots about HIV because we're from from SARS-CoV, but they're very different. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been quite insightful. I don't think it's the end of it because I think there's so many other questions. People are still confused, myself included, and we'll we'll definitely be asking you for for more time, Prof. Thank you so much for okay, making I the time. Okay, I hope I've clarified some. We all <laughs> need to be responsible now. Yeah. Wear yeah. your mask, distance, go outside. And, and be safe, please. Yeah, no, thank you. Be safe too, Professor Lucille Bloomberg from the National Institute of Communicable Diseases, as I said. Uh, it will be an ongoing conversation. By no means is this the end. I think all of us want more clarity on so many things because as you think about it some more, you, you stumble up upon another question, myself included. So we'll definitely do that. And I promised you that we will get more clarity on the regulations, which is a different type of a conversation. So I'm not ignoring those questions. I think you're absolutely right to seek more clarity we will definitely get a representative from um, the council or at least government whoever it is that can assist us with some of the clarity around the logic between uh, about uh, some of the regulations that we are seeing and remember they didn't get it right the first time even the first time you know there were some things that were not necessarily logical so we're hoping this time they've thought it through and we will make sure that we get the right people to come in and answer those questions